This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. and Jamie are two best friends and they love sex and the city and they couldn't help but wonder do you love it too Carrie Miranda, Samantha Charlotte Cosmos so every little dude all the dudes and we couldn't help but wonder with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno I'm Jamie Lee and I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help, Help But Wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex and the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Hello, James. Hello, Rose. You look stunning. Oh, so do you. I love your festive Hawaiian luau blouse vibe that I'm getting. Thank you so much. It's and very cute. Who were you this week, dear? Uh, this week, I was, well, I'm going to say... Based on, I believe it was the last episode we covered where Miranda and Steve get a dog. Uh, I got a new dog. He's so cute. Yes. Uh, Welcome to the family, Sheffield Spumoni Black. Uh, Sheffield, yeah, he was kind of an unplanned pregnancy. (laughs) You guys didn't use protection. Now you have a Sheffield. We have a second one. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, for those of you not clued into my dog journey, let me just catch you up to speed really quick. I uh, have a five-year-old Labradoodle. His name's Dennis. He's fantastic. And I learned pretty early on, like, Labradoodles are a very high-energy breed, and they need lots of exercise. And Dennis is very playful. Every time we take him on a walk, he's always, like, anytime he comes in contact with any other dog, he's just, like, trying to instigate something. And I always feel bad because I have to, like, pry him away. And I'm like, no we got to continue our walk, and then you just go home and sit by yourself because you're like a sad only child. So, and I can say that because I actually am an only child. Anyways, no only child hate here. Um, But yeah, so I just got to the point where I was like, I'm pretty sure that Dennis spends like 80% of his life on the couch just sitting when he's not on walks with Skylar, my fabulous Dennis Dennis caretaker. We walk a lot. You guys walk a lot. Um, So yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, I think I just need to go for this and get him a friend. And... uh, the comedian Eliza Schlesinger, her dog Blanche passed away, and then she got a new dog, Tianfu, um, who I think she calls Tofu. Um, yeah, and uh, she posted this whole thing about getting Tianfu from this rescue organization called Chinese Dogs Need Homes. And I looked them up on Instagram, and they're based in LA, and it's this operation where this woman goes abroad and gets these dogs, saves them from. Uh, puppy mills, meat markets, straight out of trash cans. Like, they truly come over covered in dirt and filth, and she just sort of, like, nurses them back to health and brings them back to life. And then she has partnerships with a bunch of different shelters all over L.A., and one of the shelters happens to be right around the corner from where we live, like, Mm. truly right around the corner, like a three-minute walk. And so we went there one day, Dan and I went just on a whim, and I was like, let's just, like, see, you know, the new crop of dogs, because they always post on Instagram when they have new dogs. So we went in and we saw this one dog 
that well, he, he was he was very cute. He was very timid. It just like wasn't a match. I don't know. It's weird when you're like judging dogs like, oh, you don't do it for me. Like it just feels weird because they all need homes and you just kind of feel like a monster being like, no, not you. <laughs> like next. Not quite. You're not quite. Enough. Yeah, you you don't. Your face doesn't you make the cut. You definitely look sad. <laughs> you definitely look needy and hungry. <laughs> But there's a cute factor missing. But I'm not gonna missing. be the one to take care of you. Yeah, it feels fucked up. I'm you looking wanna, at you. I'm squinting. I'm, I'm picturing thinking, the gram. Yeah, and you're I just don't see lights. it. I don't see it. Even if we add a filter, I just your teeth are many shades of brown. Anyways. It's scraggly, but not funky. Scraggly. It's not funky. Scra- you don't have like the fun tongue sticking out. Yeah. You have like sad tongue sticking out. No. Anyway, so we saw Wait. this dog. He was adorable. Actually, the one that we saw that we didn't fully connect with, uh, we found out he actually was already adopted, so it worked out. And then we were like, well, who were else you guys do you like, have? I'm sorry. There's just something missing here. It was more like, yeah, so they brought out this one dog who I'd seen on Instagram, and I was like, can I see him? And they were like, well, he's probably going to be getting adopted by this New York couple that are coming here in a couple weeks, but you can see him. And I'm like, okay, great. We see him, again, not a match. And they were like, well, who else do you have? And they mentioned this dog, Dan Dan, that I had seen on their Instagram, but I wasn't he looked cute, but I couldn't really get a good read because I hadn't. The picture you was kind of blurry. You couldn't tell if he worked hard, play hard. You didn't know exactly. His sign. I didn't know a sign. You didn't know where he went to school. Right. I don't know his favorite foods, his favorite color. Yeah. Is he crazy for tacos? Right. Or like, right. If you voted for Trump, swipe left. Yes. Does he love a good walk on the beach? You're like, if you don't look like your pictures, you're buying me drinks until exactly. you do. Exactly. Yeah. So they brought him out, and it was like an instant, like, oh my god, like obsessed. He's so cute. And he had the worst haircut. He has the worst haircut, and he's still is just like the fluffiest he feels like a cloud he's the softest dog he's just like all puff right Skylar it's true you gotta feel how soft you this gotta dog feel is. him so if I'm having a hard night I can call you and just be like Jamie can I pet Sheffield can I hug the puff yeah he's so puffy it's so sweet anyways and we brought him home to foster him and I'd never done that before. Um, again, just to be clear, I am not a dog person. I didn't grow up with dogs. Having Dennis was a fully new experience for me. I always... That just goes to show people can change. I mean, I grew up with cats. Very different vibe. Very different style of animal. They really keep to themselves. And, like, Dennis was just kind of instantly, like, clingy and needy. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a shift. But anyways, now I'm obsessed. Love dogs. Great animals. And, um, yeah. And so when we brought Sheffield home... I say all that because I don't really know what constitutes dogs getting along. Uh, And there's a lot of growling happening with Dennis and Sheffield. And, like, Dennis just would not stop barking, like, incessant barking. And Dennis doesn't bark a lot. So I was just like, oh, my God, this is hell. And then, like, 15 minutes goes by. And then all of a sudden they just start wrestling and playing. And there was no bloodshed. And my aunt, who has fostered many dogs for many, many years, she has, like, five dogs at a time, was like, if they're not bleeding, they like each other. And I was like, well, cool. So, yeah, Sheffield is here to stay. Welcome to the fam. Literally can't wait to meet He him. has a pet passport from China. Like, I've actually started learning Chinese to communicate with him. <laughs> what is stop and what is no and yes? Um, I don't have those words. <laughs> I just... What do you have? I was using... Way more complicated words. I was words. using... No, I was... For a, for a minute, I was using sit, which I believe is Leo... Let me look it up. I can't remember now because this was earlier in the week. But now he knows sit. So I taught him English and how to sit. So not only is he cute, he's bilingual. Yes. This is the point. Um, he's anyways. very cosmopolitan. Yes, he is. He's well-rounded. So anyways, that is, uh, that's my news. I feel like Miranda. Well, not really. I feel more like Steve, who's like, I got a puppy. And then like 
Skylar's like, I got a puppy. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Skylar has been Skylar walking. Skylar, be happy about your new dog? He's great. They do have very distinct walking styles. Sheffield oh loves to go ahead. Zips ahead. Dennis is behind. Dennis is behind. Yes, I just want to be clear. I have also walked them. But I'm it is it is a, uh, it's, it's, it's a shift. It's hard to adjust, but they are very cute together. He's fun. They're both fun. Yeah, they are really fun. That's fabulous. Yeah, it's kind of great. I can't believe I have two dogs, you guys. I know that's not a big deal to a lot of people, but it's a really big deal to me. I it, never thought I would be here. It's a lot of dogs. It's more dogs it's than most people. It's a lot of dogs. Yeah. It's two times more than I have. I have two dogs. I have a dog house now. I'm like a dog. I'm like a full-blown dog person. I know. When you were like, oh, I'm not a dog person, I was like internally rolling my eyes. I'm like, you are the dog person. I am person. the do- That's my point. But I didn't grow up Dennis like that. Dennis went to sleepaway camp. Dennis did go to a two-week boot camp where <laughs> and learned nothing. he retained literally zero. Zero percent. And all of the trainers there they all went the- there and they're like, we're going to teach him all this stuff. And he was just like sitting on a pool float drinking a doggy I colada. mean, yeah, maybe. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's doing all he's this doing stuff. He's doing great. Yeah, no. Just like getting manis. Yes. <laughs> just like, oh, that's the wa- cutest image. He's just watching Homer Bound. It's <laughs> Milo like, Notice. Yeah. It's just like steak dinners. Oh, well, yeah. He, But everyone there was like, oh, my God, your dog is so well behaved. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, he is so trainable. He's so easy. And then we get him home and I'm like, oh, he did nothing. He learned there. So I don't know. Were they lying to me to like get rid of him? I don't know. But yeah. Um, so yes, guys, I'm a full-blown dog owner, dog person. And uh, that's that's that. Who are you this week? I think I am a Samantha Carey blend because um, I'm so busy that I can't even remember what we talked about last time we were on the pod. But I feel like I went through kind of a winter thing of like back pain and feeling weird about LA. And I was just kind of in this like, frozen funk Mm. and now my back is feeling better good oh I'm glad to hear that I am like such a naturally joyful person and I just realized when I have back pain I I'm not even myself I'm Mm. I'm like negative I like look at the world through like a dark lens and then my body feels better and I'm like singing and dancing and happy and so I feel more myself which is really good that's good yeah and um yeah, I'm doing a bunch of projects I'm excited about. I'm shooting a short film in a couple weeks. And that makes me feel a little bit like Samantha. Like I've got all these great actors who I love and great DP. And uh, I just feel like I'm making little moves and stuff and feeling a little badass. So I feel like I'm just kind of coming out of this weird thing where like my body was hurting and I was kind of just feeling annoyed about LA. And I think winter is always tough for me every mm-hmm. winter I like get a little weird oh really yeah I think the winter like a seasonal I depression I don't know what it is yeah maybe I don't know I think coming back from my trip coming back to LA I just felt a little bit like a sensitive baby in like a big loud city I felt that too yeah my back started hurting everything I was just touchy and now- also LA is such a different it's the weirdest place to live. But it you know what? Is. Now that I'm feeling better, then now I'm having fun. Like yeah. I, I've been waking up early and taking an hour long walk before I go to work every day. Oh, that's I'm, good. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah. And I just feel more positive and healthy and like settled and just kind of goes to show like everything is temporary. Feeling good, feeling bad, doing yeah. good, doing bad. Whatever you're feeling, the only thing you know is it will pass. Yeah. And if you're in any kind of chronic pain or physical pain or even emotional pain, it's like, well, more f- I'm thinking physical pain. It's like the way I feel when my back goes out is kind of like how I feel in my period. 
Because when my back is out, I like question everything. Like, what am I doing in the city? What am I doing in my career? Who am I? And then as soon as it feels better, it's like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Mm. It's like, don't make decisions on your period. Don't make decisions when you're in pain. Like, because your mind just goes to shit so fast. Yeah. Well, because it's kind of like you, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of scary when your body betrays you because you're like, your mind is like, you're all I have. (laughs) Like we, it's the two of us against the world. And then when half of you is like, no, fuck that. You're like, oh, I thought we had a deal where we like help each other. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, For sure. So anyway, I'm feeling positive, powerful and like, what's another P word? And pussified. Pussified. Okay. It's kind of a good. Yeah. Well, actually is a great word. I think that also kicks us off. Oh, it does indeed. Okay. So oof. Guys, we have like two really, really good episodes coming up. Yeah, I mean, they're all mega. really good, but these are two heavy hitter megas back to back. So yeah, season three, episode 11, Running With Scissors. That is what we're covering today. So things open up with Big and Carrie getting into the swing of their affair. They're meeting up in hotel rooms. They're having lunch sex at his place. They're really committing to cheating. And Carrie's conflicted. She goes to Miranda for advice, but she already basically knows what she needs to do. She needs to break it off and stick to Aiden. Down at a new club in her neighborhood, Samantha meets Tom Ramey, a horned-up legend with a reputation to rival hers. They spot each other across the room and immediately want to sleep together. When they get back to his place, he even shows off the sex swing he wants to use. Sam's all in, but there's one tiny thing before they can start. When was her last AIDS test? Unfortunately for Sam... Tom and his swing are off limits until she's all clear. Everyone catches up to eat where Charlotte's in full on wedding planning mode. The pink post-its are for the gowns I kind of like. The green post-its are for the gowns I kind of really like. And the yellow post-its are for the gowns I don't know if I like. Here, kill me, please. Just take a sharp object and drag it across my throat. Stop. Miranda, you take modern bride. Samantha, New York bride. And I'll take what? Annoying bride? Here, Carrie. Page 211, pink post-it. Tell me what you think. Okie dokie. Ooh! Cute purse. No purses. There's no time for purses. This is gown specific. What's your theme again? A Nazi wedding? Carrie, page 211. Um, it's pretty. I like the flowers in the back. Me too, and I like that old-fashioned satin bow. Have you all had an AIDS test? Good morning. Where did that come from? I just met this very hot guy, and he won't sleep with me unless I have a test. Samantha, we're looking at wedding gowns. Could you please not talk about AIDS right now? Wait, you've never had an HIV test? No. Have you? Two. Three. How do we feel about upper-length gloves? Samantha, how can you not have had an AIDS test? She doesn't mean that the way it sounds. It's just... Well, why not, sweetie? I always practice safe sex. All right, I'm terrified. What if I have it? You don't have it. Sometimes it takes me a really long time to get over a cold. That's not AIDS, that's central air conditioning. Just go and get it over with. The test is nothing. The worst part is waiting for the results. Oh, my God. Hilarious, hilarious, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> what a scene. It's so good. There's so much happening. Oh, just the juxtaposition of Charlotte sort of having horse blinders up wedding planning and that with Samantha talking about AIDS. It's actually it's actually the perfect scene. You know what it makes me think, too, is like things are so cool now on TV 
and like things are so real and dramedies are so popular and people talking how people actually talk. Yes. And it's like, you know what? There's also something to be said about really extreme characters that are archetypes that say something that's like not how people talk, but is really, really entertaining and fun. Yeah. Because this scene wouldn't happen now because there's the goody goody and the sex pot and it's funny when you put them together. Right. But now everything's so subtle that it would just be such a... Yeah, it's kind of... Is that fair? I think that's 100% true because this scene is a... It's a single camera show, but this scene feels like a sitcom. It's a really sitcom thing to do. It's very heightened. Yeah. Um, yet they're so real in so many ways. Like, I feel like Cynthia Nixon plays it very real, real even when she's being shticky. Samantha and Charlotte have the wackiest they characters. They are. The, uh, absolutely. They're extremes. They're kind of the Joey and the and the uh, Phoebe. Yes. Oh, uh, that's a great comparison. Also, just the way, like, when people are saying to Charlotte, like, I don't give a shit about your wedding. Like, I mean, Miranda's like, drag a knife across I mean, my throat. She's so she funny. Says, she's like Janine Garofalo. But the way that's the way Charlotte doesn't hear that her friends don't care or aren't interested to the degree she is, is like, that is the comedy is that Charlotte kind of never hears people. I mean, which goes back to something we've talked about like lately. And I, oh, now that, that we've no talked one would about be friends it, with her. Now that She's we've the talked villain. about it, you see it more and more. It's not even that no one would be friends with her, She's the villain. but it's kind of like, how are these people friends? Yes. Because it's really, really funny, but it's like, well then why are they friends? Like, right. Like, Miranda would never be friends with Charlotte. Charlotte really is only friends with Carrie. Carrie's, you know what, though? That's, She's the anchor. Carrie's, Carrie's the, the anchor. anchor. Because Carrie's so neutral yeah. that she can be friends with anyone. But Miranda and Samantha, I think they would hang. They're, because they're, they're they keep cynical it, and smart enough. Yeah, I feel like they, they are pretty honest and they're pretty self-aware. They're savvy. Yeah, I feel like Carrie, Miranda, and Samantha all make sense. And then it's like, then somehow Charlotte's there too. I have to say, if I were acting on the show, I really would be bummed to play Charlotte because that character just doesn't seem as fun as the other ones to play. I think oh, Samantha and Miranda would be the most fun to play. I, I, yeah. Maybe Miranda would be my number one. I think Miranda would be the most difficult to play. I think that Samantha or Charlotte probably would be the most fun to play because they're so goofy. And they, they get the jokes and, and stuff. And I really, there's so many moments with Charlotte, um, n- not to get into the next episode that we're going to be covering, but there is a moment when Charlotte is getting married where she like calls Carrie back to talk to her and she's like, Carrie. Come here. And it's just very big. And then she's like, okay, that's it. Go, go, go. Like, it's right. just so, like, it's cartoonish. Fun. Yeah. That there are these moments where she's very, like, bright-eyed and goofy and kind of, like, she's a little, like, zany almost. And those are the moments where I'm like, oh, it's probably a blast to play Charlotte. If we ever have a live show, I just had a vision that we need <gasps> to do a scene, a live scene oh. of this thing. Like, just word for word? Either that or we could, like, do it from memory of what we remember it to be. Oh, my God. There was a play at, at, at a local um, comedy place nearby, mm. and they did Swingers as I remembered it. And this guy wrote the entire Swingers oh, as that's he hilarious. could remember it. So we could just do a scene. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry I love, about that. I love the notion of as I remembered it. It's kind of Just fun. in general. I'd like to apply that to many different shows and movies. Um, yeah. So... Um, what are some questions we have? How much experience do you have completely losing a friend to the wedding planning process? Have you had friends that you lost to that? Um, 
No, I do think the wedding planning process tests your friendships, especially people who are in your bridal party. Um, I do think it's sort of like a hazing period because you're asking people to disrupt the flow of their schedules, their work schedule, their vacation schedule. People are having to spend a lot of money on you. It just puts everybody sort of in a strained position, including the bride. Um, In this case, Charlotte doesn't seem to give a shit. She's just very like wrapped up in it all and in the fantasy and her friends are blatantly saying like, please spare me. And she just can't even hear it. And that's why this is definitely like an exaggerated comedic version of it. But yeah, I think that for me, for me in the wedding planning process, like I had one friendship where there was some residual weirdness that actually carried over from her wedding And then when it came to my wedding, I felt like there were things that I did for her during her wedding that she just was not doing for me. And she demanded a lot and sort of like complained about how she wasn't satisfied with what I did. And then I felt like she went the opposite with mine and like really didn't do what I had hoped she would do. And I felt like I was sort of. Uh, I was a more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, this is not the cleanest way to say this, but I was kind of like chill bride compared to her. And so, yeah, it was sort of that dynamic of like navigating like expectations and, oh, well, this is what I would have to do in, in the case of her wedding. But then there's this double standard for what she's expected to do with mine. And yeah, I think it just puts you in this odd position where everyone's sort of like judging each other and expecting things from each other and, and not really knowing how to navigate conversations about it because it's sort of stigmatized. Like the wedding, leading up to your wedding, it's supposed to be like this really magical time in your life. So anytime anything sort of subverts that notion or tests that notion, you feel a lot of shame because you're like, this is supposed to be enjoyable. And then when it's not, you're just like, ugh, and then you kind of shut down. So yeah, that's that's where I stand with that. Um, I, I have not had friends be like that about wedding stuff my sister i was my sister's maid of honor and also walked her down the aisle which was really cool oh that's awesome um and i had a really fun time i mean my sister's my number one favorite person so like i loved wedding shopping with her i loved you know dress shopping family it's like well she's just like my number one so it's like seeing her so happy and joyful and like we also just have so much fun together that like looking at flowers, like, I mean, this just sounds like I'm obsessed with my sister, but that's because I am, is I like could have fun going to Target with her. So like picking things for her is fun for me. Sure. I probably wouldn't feel that way about everybody. Um, I also think that like Miranda being so deeply irritated with Charlotte is also a personality thing because my sister asked me for so many opinions on little things, the card stock and the this yeah. and the that. And I'm a little less detail oriented than she is Mm -hmm. and like I think if I ever get married um my stuff is not gonna look as cool as hers because I don't really care like the food is gonna the the only things I care about is food and like looking fabulous but like I don't really care about like card stock and like that shit just 
I appreciate it when somebody does a really good job, but that's not interesting to me. So I'll just like make somebody do that or something. But well, some people really the, like that stuff. But that's the crazy thing, I think, because I feel that way too, where I'm like, I really just cared about having a cool dress and like people just feeling good yeah, and like a fun time yeah and the weird thing is when you start to be confronted with decisions you have to make you start to care because you have to spend money on them yeah so you're like so i gotta love the, it but it's, that's what's weird it like warps your personality because i went in being like i'm not someone who cares about like I'm trying to think of a good example flowers for example I've never been a flower person I, when my mom like give me flowers on valentine's I'm like oh that's a really sweet you just throw them in the trash right in front of her <laughs> yeah exactly Thanks, bitch but I I'm always like oh that's a really sweet gesture but I don't like light up at flowers they don't they don't like you know what I mean I <laughs> think some people do slowly no, spreads I, across Jamie's I think people face. do I I really no, do I love flowers people do. buy flowers at flower markets yeah. they have you know they put them it's in their thing. home yes it's not a thing for me but then when I had to pay for them and put them on every table that's when it becomes like, oh, I guess I should care about this because I'm spending money as if I care about right. this. So anyways, um, what, what do, do we you think feel? about the, the I know, HIV I was just test, say, AIDS test? Yeah, I... Um, it's insane. The thing it's is... It's insane that... We're not going to say what happens, but the amount of sex that she has had, insane. she would have every STD on top of each other. Or at the very least, she would be really worried about her health in that way. I'm surprised that she wouldn't... I mean... Honestly, if I were rewriting this, I think it'd be funny if Samantha knew her STD tester the way she knew her local barista. Oh, like, I think that's funny, a really good point. How funny if like she's like, hey, Pam. It's, it's her emergency contact. Yeah, Pam and Sam. And like they have their own little dynamic, that's a really dynamic good point. and that ends up being like her therapist on the show. Also, this show was aired for the first time and debuted in 1999 that was not that far from like the AIDS crisis exactly and then like the idea and you know the way they talk about it is kind of surprising it's very flippant given how AIDS was not what it is now it what you know it was still heavily heavily stigmatized so many people were dying from it at that time like I just find it interesting that they sort of threw it in the way they did yeah it's pretty shocking and um yeah, it's like this is a comedy and that's what why we all love to watch it. Um but there are some things that are so unrealistic like Samantha having unprotected sex with every man in New York City. I'm sure she's had sex with plenty of g- bi guys and gay guys and just the fact yeah. that that she would be that reckless is it's it kind of makes her pretty unrelatable and pretty dark because that is kind of like doing drugs and using dirty needles like it's pretty it's pretty low self-esteem to do that and then like not be healthy not it's one thing to fuck whoever you want and do it safely but to pick people up and fuck them 15 minutes later without a condom is crazy did she say she i thought she said she had protected sex she says she she has always had safe sex wasn't it i thought she said it like with a wink and a nod well everyone's skeptical yeah everyone's skeptical no she was joking i thought like oh yeah of course i have protected sex i think her framing is more that like Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. If she does, then I think it's totally fine. But also, they're, even if she's saying that, you know she's thinking, well, there was that one time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because no if you're having, if you're having Samantha think? levels of sex, like, you're going to have <laughs> a condom have break a, every exactly. now and again. Like, have you guys ever had Samantha levels of sex? That's such a funny phrase. Never <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I, I wish. I even dream. if I was in the middle of having sex, it's still less <laughs> it's, than her having she, sex ever she like shows up she's like you'll never touch me <laughs> <laughs> i think we've talked about this before on this show but i was very i was very hesitant about stds and std testing particularly in 
late college all through my 20s living in New York and I wasn't having a ton of sex, but I did have unprotected sex with a guy. And I mean, the next day I was like, I have AIDS. I know I have AIDS. I know I have AIDS. And I went to and I went and got tested and I all through waiting for the results. I was going to work. I was pale in the face from nervousness, waiting for my results. I mean, I was so paranoid that I think that I guess what I'm getting at is I think it's an interesting character choice that Miranda, I mean, sorry, that Samantha doesn't want to know because I think there is a piece of Samantha that we see where she's a little like she's kind of a tough cookie on the outside, but she doesn't really want to like face the truth about how she's feeling because it would be a weakness. So I feel like that's kind of the situation here with the STDs as well. I think, and this also may be purely my speculating, but I also imagine that given that the show was so uh, so much so the product of gay men and there isn't really a gay male character in the in the show that they can invest uh, this sort of arc it's with. It's kind of Samantha. Yeah, Samantha's the closest stand-in that they yeah, could possibly point. do such a thing with. And I mean, they could there's... have done it with Stanford, I You know guess. what? I have to say, as somebody who's on their first trip around the Sex and the City universe... That was a very, uh, very good point, Mr. Skyler. Oh, thank you. Great point. I, I, but, but I could also see that being um, that that could also play into why she's worried about getting the test because she thinks she has AIDS ma- or something. Oh, so they That's... maybe infused a little bit of that into Samantha's character of like yeah. I don't I even want to go down that route. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, my yeah, suspicion yeah. and read on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. But I will say later on in the series, without giving anything away, there are a couple of instances. <laughs> she dies of AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But no, there are a couple of instances where I think. We see this with Samantha. She's a little in denial about things. Like, she can be a little, like, I don't know, even with her relationships, like, she's just kind of like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's like, you're clearly not fine. Like, she's, a, she's a, she kind of covers up how she feels about a lot of things. And I think it's actually, like, kind of a cool character choice because she's simultaneously so strong and and scared. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean... It would be too one-dimensional if Samantha was truly cool all the time and cared about nothing. Right. But I think that that you brought up a good point, Jamie, about like how it's not being dealt with that seriously. And like, listen, this is a comedy. This is a show written to make us laugh. I think we expect so much from it because it's so good. And they they reach into so many deep issues that sometimes they'll reach into something deep and then just sort of splash around in the kitty yeah. side of it. But yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think I think Miranda not getting tested is a really interesting choice because as you said, it could totally have been like she gets tested once a week. Yeah. Because she seems so on top of things. I think that's why it's yeah, but it, but also that is that that is the character choice is that like this is a woman who's like I don't want to know. Like she's, she's kind of that person. She's in denial of her age, she's in denial exactly. of exactly. meeting people and she's yeah. Yeah, she's she's, kinda, she's in denial that anything has repercussions. Yeah. She almost doesn't want to look at the world that way. And that's so right. anytime that even like the guy that she hooks up with this guy, what's his name? Tom Ramey. Mm-hmm. I mean even that it's like she meets him in a bar and she's like get over here, let's fuck and then they go back to his place and like ooh a swing like everything is just kind of like you live once we're all gonna die someday like they have a very like joie de vivre sort of sex life 
And then the second it gets real, she's like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't look at sex like that because that's a bummer. Like, I don't I can't face that. I can't even go down that dark road. Yeah. It's almost like like she's like a pure like hedonist. Yeah, she's and a then, hedonist. Like, yeah, exactly. Right yeah. up until like consequences. Could yeah. Ever <laughs> yeah. She doesn't deal well with consequences. Exactly. Yeah. Um, OK. Well, getting back to the epi. Uh, on her way back to work the next day, Miranda ends up in just your stock traditional catcalling situation. <laughs> As she's passing a blimpy sandwich shop, the plush sandwich mascot outside of it says, eat me, twice. And these are not your simple sandwich eat me's. No, this sandwich is horny. Pissed, Miranda books it back to her office. I fucking love this storyline. I think that this happened to one of the writers. It is so. How could you? Wanting to fuck a sandwich unbelievable. is too good. It's so good. Okay, also, this is an iconic episode because Anthony is introduced. Is this the first time we see Anthony? Yeah, Mario Cantone is so psycho funny. He's so funny. That in two seconds of the show, he's already the funniest thing in the show. Yeah. Which goes back to my all-time theory, which is that I think present company excluded gay men are the funniest people on the planet. Like, in terms of comedians, like I just think there's a certain gay humor that gets me every time. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Charlotte and her stylist, Anthony, head to a dress shop to inspect the wares. He's just the kind of guy she needs to help her in the gown selection process, as he's totally comfortable screaming at the shop's employees when they aren't delivering. Together, they land on the dress for her. Back at Carrie's place, Aiden does the crazy act of trying to have sex with her, but with Big looming over everything she can't. She yells at him to quit moaning, and he hops out of bed. He's not sure what's going on with her, but he's not staying the night to find out. And Miranda has another run-in with Sandwich Man. He's still not saying anything other than eat me. So she heads into his blimpy to complain. Unfortunately, the talking sandwiches manager can't quite piece together what her issue is. The sandwich is doing a great job of saying eat me. Frustrated, Miranda heads back out ready to tell him to fuck off. When she stops and sees his face through the costume, hang on. What if the man inside the sandwich is hot? Carrie and Miranda have a quick call where they bat around the idea of sexing up the sandwich, and Samantha heads to the hospital for her AIDS test results. When the nurse she interviewed with shows up and asks her to come with her, Sam can't. A nervous Samantha passes out, but when she comes to, she's told she does not have AIDS. Carrie and Big head to yet another seedy motel for more affair sex. While she waits for him in the lobby, another hotel guest asks her how much, mistaking her for a sex worker. That does it. Carrie's done with the whole seedy ordeal, and she books it out of the lobby to leave the screwed up day behind her. On the street outside, however, she and Big run into Charlotte. There's no covering, but Carrie does try to explain. It was a force bigger than me, like Niagara Falls or something, you know? No, I don't know. He's married. I know he's married. That makes you the other woman. You're the other woman. I am not the other woman. I'm not. I mean, I know I am, but I am not that woman. Please, Charlotte. I feel bad enough already. Good. You should feel bad. Do you ever think about how she'd feel if she found out? Yes, I think about it all the time. No, you don't. You think about what would happen to you if she found out. You don't think about her. She's just the idiot wife. You don't know anything about her. Okay, in a minute, I'm going to suffocate myself in this bubble wrap. This isn't a joke, Carrie. They took vows. Vows he broke. I'm getting married in three weeks. How would you feel if someone did this to me? I would kill them. How could you do this? I mean, 
You're my maid of honor. I'm getting out, I am. Can I please help you pack now? So we stood and bubble wrapped, the bride-to-be and her maid of dishonor. Mm. This was such an interesting, that was such an, you know what? This whole Charlotte getting married is so good for the show because it kind of like twists a knife into what everyone is doing in their oh, own lives. 100%. And oh, that scene, I think, yeah, I don't think this is a superlative. I think the scene where they run into each other on the street after she has like the hotel sex with Big, I think that that is one of the most gut-wrenching scenes of the whole series where it's just like Charlotte's like, Carrie, what are you doing over here? And then she has to tell her like, yeah, I just remember the first time I saw that being like, oh, shit, like. Charlotte is not going to be supportive. Like all of her other friends are like, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. And then Charlotte's like, I am 100% judging you. Yeah, it's harder really... than you'll ever judge yourself. I'm judging you. You know, it's such a well-written show. And Carrie leaves this situation that she feels so guilty for. Somebody thinks she's a sex worker and she walks outside and her friend who's, excuse me, marrying this like well-to-do guy yeah. who has it all figured out. I mean, it's like at your lowest low, your friend is at their highest high. Yeah. And they're doing something classy and socially acceptable. And yeah. it's just awful. I, I don't know how I, I would feel awful. What? How do you feel about, um, what do you think of Carrie's justifications like that big in the whole affair is due to some quote unquote force bigger than her? I think that... <sighs> Um, cheating is something that I've never done. And I think that I'm human and fallible. I, I hope I don't do it. Um, but I don't know. I think it's an excuse. Um, I, I'm being so slow right now because... Cheating is one of those things where when you get to a certain age, like you definitely will know somebody that has cheated. Yes, or 100%. If you haven't or something, it's just too common. And so I think as you get older, it gets a little harder to be quite as judgmental because it's like it happens to people that you love. Yeah. And people that you love do it. It happens to them. So I don't really know what to say much about what I think Carrie's reason is. I think that in this particular case, I don't really think Carrie and Aiden's relationship is that strong. Right. I don't. I really don't. Like rewatching this show. I I'm this is exactly how I was feeling. I'm really it shocked also. that this whole series is boiled down to three words, which is Aiden versus Big. Because when you watch it, it is no contest before the cheating. Even when everything is going well with Aiden, there is no chemistry there, in my opinion. Exactly. And also, screen time with Aiden is way less than screen it's time with Carrie and Big. I mean, really, it's, you know, leaving their apartment, an occasional walk on the sidewalk. Like, there's not even really there. talking about it. Even when they're walking on the sidewalk, I can't remember a conversation that they've had. It's really not a it's not an equally represented re relationship. It's not 50-50. It's not big versus Aiden. It's like big with like a side of Aiden. 
which is surprising. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like you they ha- they didn't even develop the big I mean the Aiden Carey thing long enough for me to be sad that she cheated. Yeah, because I know at this point, d- but when I watched it the first time, I didn't feel that way. It I was wonder like why fa- I, I wonder why we both have that reaction now. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about it? About the Aiden versus Big? Do you judge Carrie for this behavior? How do you feel when you watch her do this? Well, stuff? I have cheated before. Um, I cheated when I was in, I mean, yeah, I cheated when I was, whatever, it doesn't matter when, but I, I will say that the Aiden relationship, it is not, it's not a solid relationship. And I, I, I think people cheat for myriad reasons and I'm sure feel solid to me. I think the main reason, at least I'll speak for myself. I don't want to speak for everybody. I think I've never, I don't think to my knowledge I've been cheated on. I have been the cheater. I think that you do it because you are too, you're too weak. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it probably is. You're, you're too weak to communicate your lack of uh, fulfillment in the relationship. So, Instead, you're like the easier thing would be to just get my needs met. Get elsewhere. my needs met elsewhere, and and by the way, that is a two way street. I think that you can easily uh, not feel like you're if you were to voice your needs that they would be heard properly, or yeah. that it would be a civilized discussion, or it would be yeah, that makes sense, or it would be. Um, Something that you guys could work through. Yeah. So you just go, you know what? I think I'll just like... Make it easy on myself. Make it easy on myself. Exactly. And I think that in this case with Carrie and Aiden, I'm not really sure from a writer's standpoint what she's not getting from the Aiden relationship. That she was getting from Big? Well, I mean, I guess it's just that he's available. The passion or something? Yeah. I mean, Aiden's available and Big wasn't. It's kind of interesting because obviously... I don't think they have good sex. I've said this before on our podcast. I don't think her and Aiden have good sex. No, I don't think so either. Um, I think it's very mediocre. Yeah, it's really interesting to analyze this because... What what do you think, Skylar, of of the Carrie Big Aiden triangle? Well, I think that I think to your point about screen time, like they've only been together since first. This is their sixth episode oh, together. Is that like, it? yeah, okay. he came up in three oh five for the first time. Okay, okay. Uh, so I a hundred percent agree there that he's basically comparatively speaking, like super thinly written. Yeah. Um, and he's almost exclusively written in like glowing virtuous terms mm-hmm. like the guy doesn't do he anything no wrong yeah which isn't a real person by the way a hundred percent which and is probably why we're not as invested in a way in aiden but i also think that that provides like a cleaner way to make the cheating thing hurt because it's like if the guy I did everything right yeah and if the guy isn't a, a clear villain if he hasn't done anything wrong then carry wronging him seems worse 100 percent, and it's a really good interesting point yeah it's a great point and it's also i i love that they i love that we're in this position watching oh i think it's also kind of amazing to watch a woman on tv be the cheater be like the primary cheater i mean obviously big's a cheater too but we're not as invested in uh, in him as a protagonist so like it's really interesting to watch her work through it like to me that's I had I had never seen that on TV. I think that's a really I don't interesting know that I have since. It's a really yeah, actually you're right. This show is so edgy and ahead of its time. It's huge to put it from the woman's perspective. To put your huge. To put your kind of like sweetheart America's every woman 
Yeah, actually, you're really right. Who's fabulous and moral. Oh, totally. 100%. Uh, But getting back into the episode, Miranda decides she can't let the mystery of the sandwich go. She needs to know if the jawline she saw through its tan mesh was attached to a hunk or not and asks him to remove the mask. The guy underneath, sadly, doesn't live up to what she imagined, and she does not have sex with the sandwich. I was very disappointed by this. Me too. I really wanted it to happen. Me too. And I also thought from the glimmer that I saw that he was cute enough. I thought he was hot. I was like, hit it, girl. Also, even when his sort of sandwich costume came off, I couldn't quite, I couldn't tell right away if she was attracted to him or not. Because she kind of had this like, look in her eye where she was like, maybe, but then nothing happened. I like the idea that she's so horny. She's just like thinking of a hot sandwich. dog on the street. I, yeah. I kind of wonder if like to make it work, she would have been like, leave the sandwich on. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so with her clean bill of health, Samantha heads to Tom's to verify that he and his swing are all they are cracked up to be. They have what seems to be a great time right until the swing's anchor gives out. They literally fucked part of his house down, so it seems they're evenly matched. And despite everything Carrie said to Charlotte and Miranda, she sleeps with Big again. They do it at his place while Natasha's in the Hamptons. Afterward, she does some much-needed self-reflection. It was the lowest of the low. I had just finished making love to my married ex-boyfriend on his lunch hour at his apartment while his 25-year-old wife was sunning herself at the Hamptons. What? Could I feel any more like a hooker? Why do you keep doing that to yourself? I think we should stop seeing each other. Why? You're married. All right. Hand me the phone. I'm going to call her right now. Hand me the phone. Don't be ridiculous. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you you're going to call her at the beach and say that you love me and you want a divorce? You don't want me to call her because you're still in love with that other guy. This is about that other guy. The other guy has a name. It's Aiden. And you have a wife, Natasha. Give me the phone. And if you really wanted to tell her, you would have told her by now. What the fuck? You told me not to tell her. Here. Call her. If I make that call, are you going to be there for me? Are we going to do this really? I mean, I'm out in the daylight. No cocktails, no hotel rooms, real life. Carrie, in or out? This is such a sad scene. Wow. Oh, my God. You know what I thought when I was listening to this? Yeah. I thought, I think every story is different. Some people have affairs and marry those people and have kids and have a whole second life. There's Every story is different. Listening to this made me really sad. Because it made me think of all the times me or friends of mine were looking for love in the wrong place and how sad and lonely it is when you really try and make something work that's not meant to work. Forgetting the cheating and the affair is like this love is so toxic and sad and it hurts so many people. And it just makes me sad because I've been not in this exact situation, but I've been in toxic relationships where I'm trying to get love from a stone. And, yes. And I know people that have, and it's just so sad. It's just really like, it's a really sad scene. Also, she feels like a hooker, her words, just hearing um, the pain in Carrie's voice. Yeah. It's, it's that feeling of, of wanting someone who can't love you to love you. And it's such an awful feeling. Do you think he would have made the call? Wow. That's a really good question. Cause I was, do you think he's bluffing? 
he doesn't sound like he's bluffing. And that's what I find surprising is he actually, you know, because we've heard we've heard probably in real life, but also mostly on television, you know, the scenario of like, he's never going to leave her. He's never going to leave his wife for you. Get over it. Like it's in When Harry Met Sally. Um, Carrie Fisher's character is like, he's never going to leave her, is he? You know? Right. Um, I love that. I love that. Um, and she's always like, you're right. You're right. I know you're right. Uh, I love that. But um, yeah, I in this scenario, I actually kind of was like, oh, I think he meant it. But because he doesn't seem like the type of person he's a he's a shithead in many ways and their relationship is so off balance and toxic in so many ways. But he doesn't seem like a bullshit artist to me. Um, it's really a tricky claim. And, I don't know how to feel about that. I see what you're saying. He, he's a he he never let her on. He was always yeah, like, I don't know what this he's is. He's not. He let her on. He, I know what you're thinking because he he did lead her on in some ways, right? But he's yeah, always he pretty upfront with where he's at, and even if it's to deeply, a fault. Yeah, yeah, to a fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, he doesn't seem like the guy who'd be like, I'll 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 divorce her. Like he doesn't seem like that. He seems like the guy that's like. You told me not to. Like, he's kind of, he is a little what you see is what you get in a very strange way. And I actually felt in that moment, like, he would have, he would have left Natasha for her. That's interesting. I He doesn't seem like the type who would say that without meaning it. And I just wish I, it would be interesting if that played out just for, I don't know, in the DVD extras or whatever i just want to see how that plays out does he make the call do you think there's any sort of barring what we know yeah just from this scene nothing else do you think that there is a possibility of a happy future for the two of them god palpable silence um with lots of growing on both of their parts maybe maybe what do you think skylar if it were, i agree with that like if it were literally from the calling each of their partners to break up with them it, right into a, yeah exactly then maybe okay but with all those caveats you guys are giving with the reality of those characters do you think that would be something that would happen Obviously, i actually do do you really think I, yeah i do yeah I do. I do i think they're at such a raw point with each other like when they're saying when big says in or out and asks her if she's going to be there for him that's like he means it he's like it, to me anyway in the scene he's like I'm going I will change my life for you right now and she's asking him to do that and if they really pulled the trigger on it like I I could see it happening. I could also see it as if we want to play this side of it very possible that this is a powerful guy this is a guy who has manipulated Carrie even if he pretends like he didn't know he was he was manipulating her to a degree in earlier seasons you know maybe that was his version of a power move because he knows that she's not going to tell him to make the call. You know what I mean? But totally. he, but everything I know about him so far, I feel like he, there, it was almost the delivery and the way it was acted. He just sounded so sincere in that moment. I also think that hmm, interesting. It, it's helpful to, to really kind of remember where he is at this point too. Like he already had, that is a great point. He had a wife yep. before Natasha. Yep. He married Natasha as his second wife. She's much younger. He knew, like, realistically, he knew it was, like, 
not a fake bullshit thing. Exactly. And so he's at this point where it's like he fucked up going to Natasha. Carrie's a real person who challenges him and like again if they took each other seriously and were adults about it are we gonna really do this yeah i disagree with both of you because you know what while you're talking i'm cycling through the things that big has done to carrie i mean and it's so awful and it's so unforgivable and to me what what specifically like went to hawaii without her and did all these things and didn't he break up with her and like they've broken up Twice. They broken up, they have yeah. broken up twice. Yep. After uh, the end of season one, the yeah. Oh Come All You Faithful, after Carrie shows up to the um, the church when he's at with his mom. But and that like, was shitty that he didn't introduce her. Yeah, 100%. But A year like, in or something? But, but they did break up then. Because um, he was like, you don't trust me, you're being bizarre. It was also she wanted him to tell her uh, she he loved her. And they had and been going out for it. quite a while, right? I believe we don't so. Really know, but yeah, and, I got and the timelines are tricky. Wait, guys, didn't they tricky. go on a vacation because he wouldn't say I love you? And then she was like, "Why am I even going on this vacation?" Yeah, that's when they broke up. And didn't she say like, "Can you really see something with me?" And he was like, "I don't know yet" or something. Yeah, yeah. he, you know, listen, I don't know. Listen, he I think is he's a slippery, slippery he little is snake. A hundred percent a slippery snake. I do think that if I think that if these two can grow together and if like you said Skylar if it's like he has he's learned something through his two marriages through fucking over Carrie it would be lovely to believe and I don't know how naive this is to say but it would be lovely to believe that maybe he has sort of seen himself through these occurrences and these mishaps there's almost a quality of like um Again, because they are both older people who've been through relationships, it's like the end of the graduate. If like you, if the end, of, if at the end of the graduate, Dustin Hoffman was post two marriages and like yeah, had a bunch yeah. of experience, and like that moment where the two characters are reckoning with what they just did, he had all this experience, and then they were making like a good choice, an informed choice. Like these two characters, Carrie and Big, are at this moment where they can make an informed choice, whereas again at the graduate, they. Are, made a crazy choice where they can't make it they didn't make an informed choice it is scary though because if she were to end up with big i mean she would never she would never be in a place where she felt a hundred percent safe and settled there's no way even if temporarily they did if they had sort of they they kept a sort of like torrid affair vibe going throughout their new relationship post getting rid of aiden getting rid of natasha even if they had sort of like a honeymoon phase of we're back together i think they would circle back to feelings of instability at least on carrie's part for sure and i think she would always have trust issues with him yeah i sort of feel also if you've cheated both of you are not going to trust each other that is that's a hard truth i also just feel like big is unreformable i just think that his way that he gets off in the world, he's kind of a Will Arnett type to me. It's just like, I just don't trust. In a lot of ways, I think Carrie's also unreformable. Yeah, not in the same way. No, not completely different, but she has some big tendencies as well. I I agree. I think that that she is culpable a little bit in that way. Not culpable, that's not what I'm saying. People love to drag big through the dirt, but guess what? It takes somebody falling for that shit. Yeah. Like, like, uh, maybe this is whatever. 
But somebody who is so charming, so full of shit, so all about the swag, like a really steady, stable person that loves himself sees that and is like, LOL, I would never. And a person that's like a little on edge is like, They're wow, like, oh, charming. That, that shit only works on people. That yeah, but don't. again, because but that is exactly to your point. Carrie is a little she's like, she's a participant. I go to the clubs. Like she's very like, I go to the clubs. I wear fabulous outfits. I'm dashing around New York. Like she's a very, she's a little manic pixie dream girl. She's too. manic pixie dream girl. And she's also very like facade, facade, facade. And I think that big is that way to a degree also. hundred oh, percent. He's very like, get in my car and look at my fancy suit and look at these cool parties I go to. Like they're kind of, they're similar. The s- same side of the coin. Well, it's actually funny that you say that. Cause there's this vibe that all four of them are like, when are we going to married? But then they like, go hang out with babies and moms and they're like boring <laughs> so, so true it's funny because they, they're like god we're so lame but then they're like can you imagine changing a diaper let's go to that cheese party downtown <laughs> that cheese magazine party it's like everything is so non-stop fabulous with them yes they that's kind of, so true right but like, I mean that I get that. Like to me, that is the that's probably why we love this show so fucking much, is because like secretly I, us. I, well, it's also I think a lot of women feel that dichotomy of like, I feel it for I sure. I want a baby, but I also don't want to take care of a baby, and that's fucking that's it's a hard thing to admit sometimes. I think I relate to that, and sometimes where I'm like, oh. By the way, I do want to take care of a baby. I just want to be clear that I'm not anti-child like they are, but I am saying you have those thoughts run through I'm your head. I'm not anti-child at all, but there there were times where I was like, I have to have a kid. I have to be a mother. It's like the only like, excuse me, not the only thing, but I'm like that is a, an experience I need to have. And then I'm getting older, and I'm still hustling so hard. And I'm seeing how much it takes you out of the game and and how it becomes if you're a good mom, which is maybe a really judgmental term. I guess I'm just saying like seeing my sister with with my nephew, I'm just like, oh, shit, am I ready for that? You've also yeah, you've also had that like firsthand. My sister's like an unbelievable mom. She's so dedicated. Like she was telling me the other day, she's like, yeah, people are always telling me like, oh, you got to like get a babysitter so you can go out at night. She's like, Why? I fucking love my kid. Oh, it's more fun to like just get drunk with it. She's like how my mom was. She was always there. My my sister was just like, he's these are the big years. Like there's gonna be times where I don't get to be with him. I'm not missing like gabbing with the gals. Like I know She's also work. She's like, I want to see my fucking baby. Yeah. Like, well, she also how how old was she when she had uh, size almost two and she's 37. So 35. Yeah. So she had her years of. You grinding know, it doing up doing that stuff yeah and, and gabbing with all the gals that's to say i i this is all anyway back to you after big heads back into work the decision to let natasha know about him and carrie ends up making itself natasha shows back up she took an early bus out of the hamptons and carrie being there in just her bra confirms everything she already suspected natasha chases carrie down the stairs and in the process trips and busts her lip and a tooth Carrie takes her to the hospital and when Big shows up, they have the we knew something like this was coming breakup they should have had long ago. This episode closes with Carrie finding Aiden back at her place. He let himself in. But can she? And this brings us to the question of the episode. Later that night, I got to thinking about safe sex. Odd how only when our physical life is at risk do we follow certain guidelines to protect ourselves. But what about our emotional lives? Wouldn't it be nice if there was a little pamphlet to warn us what unsafe behavior might be high risk to ourselves or our relationships? 
And even if you take all the precautions and emotionally try to protect yourself, when you crawl in bed with someone, is sex ever safe? Holy shit. It's such good writing. Such good writing. I mean, like, it's such so profound. It's so good. Wow. I mean, is sex ever safe? Uh, I had... Can be, yeah. I'm not going to get too into it because it's mm-hmm. too early. Mm-hmm. But I made out with somebody last night. Ooh la la. Who I had a good time with. And this kind of was going through my head because mm. I'm not really sure like what this... It's too early to tell yes. like, what this could be, what this is. Which is what I think this... Uh, episode well, yes, pertains and we didn't to have sex. more. I yeah. didn't want to have sex, and when things were kind of heading there, I like shut it down. This question, I mean, I meant that. Yeah, it reminds the, me of this, this question. question pertains to me in my head more to something new that you're navigating. But go on. I'm only bringing this personal stuff up because I feel like I can really relate to what she's asking. Yeah, because I shut down sex because I was like, I'm very protective of my feelings, and I was like, this person is not yet safe. Because I don't know him. Exactly. Because I don't know what this is going to be. So I'm actually shutting this thing down. Yeah. Um, not shutting down him, but just like this activity can't happen. Um, and I think sex is safe with somebody who has proven exactly. to be committed and exactly. trusting and loving. And I am know thyself. I am a very easily I attach to people very easily. And um, I, I think what I have learned over the years is to try as best I can to reserve sex for people that I'm in a relationship with Yeah, because it's a really good rule for me. I mean, I just, I can, if I start having sex with somebody that I don't even think is interesting, I'll want them to be my partner because uh, I, I just get bonded. I'm in the same, same boat. I think that, yeah, I actually, I think I might've talked about it before on the show, but I was in a, I got into a relationship because of that reason. I didn't even like him that oh, much. I understand. Yeah. It, it was crazy. Yeah. I was like, I do not enjoy spending time with this person, really. And yet I keep... flooded with endorphins yes, when you're having and sex. and it was shocking because I was like, why is it so hard to break it off with this guy? And it really did come down to like, I think it's just because he's like been inside my body. 100%. And that has bonded me to him in this really twisted way that I it's wish would just up. go away. And yeah, we ended up dating for like, Five months. And this is someone I was really like lukewarm on from day one. I've had boyfriends that I think if we had just not had sex or not gotten physical, it would have like it would have ended fizzled or ended totally. So I don't think I I think when you crawl into bed with somebody, this is I'm only speaking to myself and women and men like me, which I think is a lot of people. Yeah, I think it's a lot of men, too. I think if you know. There's literally things that are happening in your body when you're having sex with someone. You're flooded with certain like endorphins and hormones and oxytocin that is meant for you to bond with them. Yeah. And if you're doing that regularly with somebody, it's very hard not to become close. Likewise, when you stop doing that, it's easy to become distant. I mean, it's an activity that bonds you. Yeah. So I think that sex is something to be very careful with. Yes. I think that sex... I think that you have to establish some safety and security without sex for it to start to feel safe when you do introduce it. Yeah. And I also think that like part of the enjoyment of sex physically is for you to be completely relaxed. And if you're with somebody that you don't totally trust or feels like they have one foot in, one foot out, at least for me, like my body is not even going to be relaxed. Mm -hmm. Like I think part of... 
getting to that place where your body is relaxed enough. My body, I shouldn't say your, my body is knowing this person's here. Everything's fine. I can let go. I can, all my adrenals, all my worries, I can like let them go. Yeah. I've had situations though where I'm like, I've wanted to use sex to feel in control. Interesting. To feel... To almost challenge myself to be like, I won't get that attached. Like oh, I've had those things. Yeah. Not, Did you? Were you able to not? Kinda. Mm, it was cool. more of a challenge because I really, I really fought that. I didn't like what you just said about, you know, what you know, your body's releasing all these hormones. I didn't like that it was almost like we don't have control over it. Like that always really bothered me. And I did believe it to be true. Um, because it is biologically true yeah I was trying to exactly I was like no 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 I can't I I can't have that be the case because if that's the case I'm doomed especially when I was like again like in my 20s and just kind of like trying to live a carry lifestyle a little bit and like live it up in New York and go on dates and see where things go and maybe we'll have sex and maybe we won't like just really trying to like whatever live my best life I really wanted to believe that I could game the system and like use it to my advantage and I hated the fact that there was this feeling of like no matter what even if this guy is like a fucking loser there will be a piece of you that if you sleep with him you will want him to call you I think it's also that especially if something for me is like especially if somebody's very tender and loving in bed like just like weird sex no but if somebody is very like loving and cuddly and romantic and sweet that's when i get bonded if somebody just like tried to like if it was just like yucky fucking or something i wouldn't bond of course of course but the weird thing is if somebody you don't think is that funny or smart you don't connect to is extremely tender and warm and loving yes that's when it gets really it gets confusing yeah yeah i i had amazing sex with this guy once and it was like true like honestly chemistry through the roof like i kind of couldn't believe it and i had hung out with him a couple times and never thought of him that way and then we had sex and i was like holy shit like where have you been all my life and then it was like the next day we hung out just like out in the open like went to take a walk on melrose or whatever it was and i was just like oh like this you're not yeah it's just behind closed doors that this works but I was trying to take it outside of there and it just got lost in translation I was like this is meant to stay in the bedroom we are no we cannot have an actual relationship we do not understand each other on that level yeah I think it's just about knowing yourself me thinking when you crawl into bed with somebody is sex ever safe yes if it's a person that has shown that they're trusting and committed yes um yeah I think that's yes I, I would agree with that um, okay, so Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. We end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for. Rose, what are you horny for right now? I am horny for Mitt Romney Ooh, being the one yes. Republican that stood up to Trump. And Proud of you, Mitt. I mean, his life is getting really bad right now. I He's know. already getting hate mail yep. and death threats. And when he goes out in public, people are calling him a traitor. Like, he did something that wasn't going to change the decision, but he did something for his own conscience. Yep. And he made, he just made his life so hard, but it's really impactful and it's really brave. And we need more people like that in our government. So big hornies from, for uh Mitt. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you horny for? Not, not on the political spectrum. I'm really horny for this episode of Dax Shepard's podcast. Um, armchair expert, great podcast. 
Highly, highly recommend. Um, but he interviews Monica Lewinsky. Whoa. And it's just a really excellent interview. Um, yeah, I mean, she is, she's now a, a, essentially like um, an advocate and a spokesperson for anti-bullying. And she's really using her story to help people. And her TED Talk was hugely famous. And um, yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear how in the last few years her life is sort of turned around and she's found a way to use the trauma and humiliation um, and devastation she went through uh, to help other people sort of learn how to deal with public shaming and guilt and bullying and that's awesome yeah it's really really incredible and Dak Shepard is such a great interviewer and he asks such smart questions and yeah uh, I highly recommend that episode amazing I'm in yeah it's great Um, okay guys well that's it for this week thank you so much for listening Bye. bye thanks for listening to couldn't help but wonder follow us on twitter and instagram at chbw pod and follow my co-host rose cerno on insta and twitter at rose cerno and please follow my co-host jamie at really jamie lee on instagram and at the jamie lee on twitter and please rate review subscribe to our show on itunes stitcher or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty it helps us it helps you it helps everyone you nasty bye, bye. forever This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) Meow. <coughs>